Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new week of The Call. This is the program we do between midday Eastern Daylight Time and 1 p.m. every afternoon where we examine 10 stocks that you, our viewers, suggest to us. I put them to an expert panel for their adjudication. And uh, great to have on board today Francesco Destratus from Ords. Francesco, welcome to Monday. And David Novak from uh, Wealthwise Education. David, how are you? Great. Thanks, David. Very good. Excellent. All right. Bit to get through today. But before we start, um, for the, our panels the last week or so, um, we've been doing a bit of a series on stocks that you'd have on your watch list if there was a crash in the market. One of those stocks where a pullback in the market you don't fear of, you say, you think to yourself, well, gee, you know, now um, this particular stock is back to a, a reasonable level. It's a good time to buy. Um, Francesco, what's a, what's a good stock on your watch list for, uh, for a pullback to get into? Well, look, I'm trying to be look at things in, in two two aspects here. One's being defensive in nature. Um, so I, I like infrastructure stocks uh, in, in that sort of environment because the asset values uh, don't change a great deal, um, and um, yeah, they can be earnings can be fairly um, fairly stable for them. So so ultimately, uh, you know, infrastructure stocks like Transurban, ATA, and the like um, would be you know something for my portfolios that act as defensive um, assets. Um, the only thing to be um, concerned about here would be if interest rates start to rise, these things act as what they call bond yield proxies. So um, the market fears that because they're so highly geared, um, their expenses go up because interest costs for them go up. But one thing that has occurred over the last sort of five to 10 years is, is these stocks uh, in a very low interest rate environment have uh, locked in very low rates for very long periods of time. So right. um, I don't think those interest rate rises are going to have as big an impact as they had in the past. The other aspect um, I would be looking at would be um, some ETFs out there um, that work inversely with the market. So two that I'll mention, one is BBOZ uh, um, and the other is BBUS. Uh, um, the, these are basically... Uh, work in negative correlation to the market. So um, if you look at BBOZ, um, it works negatively to the ASX 200. Uh, the underlying manager uses futures uh, to create a, a negative response. So if the ASX 200 falls, uh, the share price of these exchange-traded funds go up. Likewise with the BBUS, uh, they act negatively with the S&P 500. So there's two ideas uh, for those that are, are worried about moving into potentially negative markets. Okay. Uh, David, what's a stock that's on your radar? Every, every professional investor has, has a watch list, don't they, that if the market pulls back, they see that as an opportunity to, uh, to get set? 
Yeah, look, I, it's hard to go past Collins Food, uh, David. If you look at Collins Food and their growth, you know, going back to 2012, share price was just over a dollar, and here it is today, over thirteen dollars. So it's had a stellar uh, growth uh, during that period. Same sort of store sales, and plus, growing internationally is the biggest factor for Collins Food with KFC, of course, and um, they've just acquired nine uh, stores in the Netherlands for about 10 million euros. And their, their plan is to open up 130 KFC stores uh, in the Netherlands in the next 10 years. So they've got a really good growth outlook. Um, you know, they're a little bit pricey up here on, on the earnings multiple. So that's why I would be, you know, certainly if there was a crash, that would be one of the stocks that would be on my radar for sure. And it's, you know, they're, they're emulating sort of pretty much like Domino's Pizza, you know, with their international growth. And it's a great defensive stock, too, if you think about it. If things, the economy turns down, you know, people will cut back on spending and, and, and probably turn to more like fast foods, like during the COVID period. So they've had some fantastic growth during this period. Now, the other one is a fund. It's the Long Short Fund. LSF is the ticker code. Um, Extella. Performance by the fund managers. Uh, you know, the last 12 months, they came up with a profit after tax of 514 million, 715 million before tax. And uh, the share price, I mean, pre COVID, it was $1.50. It's now approaching $3. And it got to a low, would you believe, of 75 cents. Still trading at a discount to NTA of around 11%. But, um, you know, it's been a stellar performance by the fund managers. Their NTA value went up 72% in the last 12 months. So they, they really kick some goals here um, and they make money when the market goes down so yeah that's it yeah no that's interesting Henry Jennings had that as his uh, crash stock uh, last week and in a similar vein Gorad Sodi had dominoes for the same reason you've got Collins as well so some really good suggestions there all right let's get into the stocks that uh, our viewers want uh, us to have a look at Francesco uh, Kylie wants a view on Metcash, the uh, the big distribution and marketing company into uh, groceries, fresh food, liquor, hardware, uh, automotive parts. They um, they provide um, stuff for um, all of the, the goods for IGA, don't they? And a few of those sort of chains. Yeah, look, um, uh, the Metcash has been doing quite well. Um, obviously during COVID, um, your grocery retailers um, are doing well because uh, people are eating more at home and, and obviously the shopping bills are, are increasing and takeaway or, or dining out bills have declined. So um, post lockdowns, um, we'd expect these numbers to soften a little bit. Uh, but what is interesting with Metcash, um, they've, they've gained some market share uh, in recent times over Coles and Woolies um, um, and they've performed reasonably well in the hardware side of things against Bunnings as well. Now, this might be a result of COVID also where uh, people are trying different uh, retail outlets uh, for just something different because uh, life can be pretty boring in lockdown. Um, and also um, for convenience, it might be that uh, you know, people aren't travelling as far, so they go to more local uh, retail outlets. So, so that's been an interesting dynamic with, with Metcash. Um, they're uh, spending a bit of CapEx in stores and the store formats. Um, so they're investing in, in the business and driving earnings a bit. Um, the dividend payout ratio is rising um, and they're starting to invest in digital. Um, I think they've probably been a bit behind the eight ball when it comes to online shopping um, against the likes of Coles and Woolies, but 
they're starting to invest in that area. I'm not, it'd be interesting to see how they come out. Look, our, our analysts have got an accumulated recommendation, so that's a bit below buy. Um, it's um, probably uh, um, their most favoured for a bit of growth and a bit of risk, if you like. Um, but, you know, it's hard to go past Woolies as, as the, 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 the stalwart in the group, you know, between uh, Metcash, Coles and Woolies. Um, but, you know, you might get a bit of growth there because um, um, they are trying a few different things there at Metcash. Okay, and you see that share price at a five-year high as well. It's uh, done well for shareholders. Um, David, what do you, what do you think of Metcash? They've um, they announced recently that their chief executive is is going to leave the company and uh, be replaced by um, another executive from um, from uh, the South African-based MassMart wholesale group. Uh, who's got three IGA stores in Victoria, regional Victoria, actually, and he's said it's the best 18 months he's ever experienced with the COVID lockdown. So they've been a real beneficiary um, during this period. Uh, look, I, I agree with what, what um, Francesca just said, that uh, you expect uh, coming out of lockdown that, um, you know, their, their sales revenue will start to decrease. So in my view, they're fully priced up here. If you've got them, it'd be a hold. But I very much agree with Francesco. I'd, I'd probably go for the bigger guns like Coles or Woolies. Um, but look, and also, uh, this client of mine is looking to sell, which is probably a good idea at the top here. So uh, again, if you look at the valuation metric, it's not overly expensive. I'm about 17 times earnings multiple. You know, generating a, a good return on equity around 18%. But again, um, I expect that come back to the medium or average return on equity once they once we come well you victoria comes out of lockdown at least anyway so um it's a hold for me okay all right um next one is a really interesting one sol wants a view on csl the uh the big or global leader in uh, plasma and blood products and of course more recently it's been uh churning out the astrazeneca uh covid uh vaccine until our government Trashed its, uh, trashed its brand. Um, everyone became uh, vaccine snobs and sold. Um, uh, comment quite rightly. Question: Thoughts on CSL after its announcement? It's not 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 going to renew production of AstraZeneca. David, will this this harm it at all? No, no, not really. Um, look, eighty three percent of their group revenue is coming from their um, core bearing segment um, operation. So they've had lower margins. Obviously, we've got some issues with the COVID. Um, you know, there's also with um, what do you call supply constraints. So they've had um, three major headwinds, uh, CSL. One is the lower plasma collection levels. Secondly, the increasing plasma collection costs. And um, also, you've got to be aware of the, uh, any unfavorable uh, currency fluctuations as well, like we're seeing, especially with the US, the Aussie dollar against the US. It's starting to strengthen. So my view is that we're likely to see the Aussie dollar continuing to strengthen um, to the end of the year and, and beyond. Uh, I'm not that bullish on the US dollar right now for a number of other factors I won't go into, but I think there's a couple of headwinds there. They've also projected flat earnings growth going forward. So for me, look, at best um, CSL as a hold. Uh, you can see it on the chart just going sideways. So, um, you know, it, it's... 
the the, the AstraZeneca uh, contract, you know, not renewing that is to me is not significant in the in the scheme of things for CSL, but it's a hold at best. Okay. Um, what do you think, uh, Francesco? CSL? not renewing the AstraZeneca production is, you know, still going to pick up for them. And really, um, you know, going forward, how much are they, you know, are going to make out of, or any growth out of that, I, I think it's negative for them. So, you know, getting it out of the way is probably, you know, probably a good thing rather than not an issue yeah. at all. Um, so I think the key focus, and David mentioned them, you know, that um, opening up collection centres for the blood plasma is key. Um, and, you know, the cost of collect collections is key for them. Um, look, over the last couple of years, CSL has been a bit of a holding pattern, and it goes through periods of this. Um, and then, you know, research and development pipeline, um, there's not much coming out of that over the next sort of six months, I think. So I, I would probably look past the six months. We've got a whole recommendation on it also, um, and, and that's where I'd be. But, but for those that are looking long term, any dips once it gets, you know, if it gets down into the low 280s or 270s around there, I think it's worth, you know, picking some up for the long-term investor um, because, um, as we know with CSL, they're very, very good at um, um, releasing product out of R&D into production. Um, and I would expect some of that to come out in the next, well, probably in six to 12 months, some more products to come out. Mm. Okay. I, I, um, it is interesting because uh, Australians sort of don't understand, do they, that whereas we sort of donate blood for free to the blood bank in the United States, you actually get paid for going there. And, uh, and they've launched um, a legal action against, I think, American border patrols um, who are stopping Mexicans coming across the border to donate blood and pick up some money and go back again. Apparently... That's, that's a, I had no idea, a really big donation pool for them. To um, So it's a really curious part yeah. of their business. That's um, It's not just CSL that is challenging that. There's a whole group of um, companies that are uh, that are taking action against the uh, US Customs and Border. Yeah. Um, and the decision is mid to late October. So um, yeah. that'll be, I suppose, watch this space. If, if it's a negative outcome, it might sort of create a, a bit of negativity in the share price and some buying yeah. opportunity. And with lockdowns, people haven't been able to go out and, and get their, you know, donate their blood and get their cash for it. So that that's yeah. harmed them a bit. Um, yes. Ollie wants a view, Francesco, on your crash stock pick, Trains Urban, uh, the big infrastructure toll, toll road um, owner. Yeah, look, I, I like Transurban. I like toll roads. They're a virtual monopoly uh, here in Australia. Um, you know, good quality roads in Melbourne, uh, New South Wales, uh, Queensland, and they've got some roads in Washington in the US also. Look, it's a very well-managed company uh, with extremely good assets. Um, they just completed a cap raising of around about just almost $4 billion dollars and that was to buy the remaining 50% of West Connects that they don't own, which is the road in Sydney um, that uh, is under construction at the moment. Um, look, you know, this this business is a, a recipe for, 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 you know, making profits. Um, traffic numbers increase year on year. Obviously, there's been some disruption in there with COVID, um, but 
when lockdowns are removed, uh, traffic numbers are probably one of the first um, to, to, to get back to some sort of normality. So traffic numbers grow year on year, tolls increase by the CPI and a bit more. Um, so when you add all that up and you've got good management uh, that, that manage the roads well, um, I think it's a recipe for um, you know, good profits going forward. Um, so yeah, look, we've got a buy recommendation on stock uh, and like it. Okay. Um, David, what do you think of uh, Transurban? Uh, look, for me, it's a, it's a hold. Um, look, it, what Francesca said earlier uh, on the opening of, about interest rates, you know, that's, that's one of the concerns I have going forward. Um, you know, they, they, they're taking on a lot, of, a lot of debt, like infrastructure projects like Transurban, although 40% of Sydney's population will live within five kilometres of the West Connex um, oh. uh, toll road. So that's quite positive for the company. Uh, look, I, I treat it like a bond. You know, I look at it that way. You know, it's about 3% unfranked yield. Um, you know, steady steady income if you're looking for that. The Morgans came out this, mor this morning, uh, up their price target to $14.82, which is 8% higher than where the stock is trading right now. Out of 10 brokers, there's five holds and five buys, right. with an average price target just around, just under $14.50. So that sort of gives you an idea of the feel out there. And overall, you know, there's a buy rating on the stock. Um, yeah, look, it's not, uh, it doesn't excite me a lot. Uh, but look, if you're looking for a steady income and a little bit of growth based on these broker forecasts, particularly Morgan's, uh, what they came out with today, then yeah, you, you buy it. But for me, it, it, at best, it's a hold. Okay, all right. Um, David James wants a view on Harmony, the, uh, the financial group. It's a, um, an online direct personal lender, operates across Australia and New Zealand, uh, basically provides customers with unsecured personal loans, doesn't it, of up to uh, $70,000 that you can access easily. One of these new sort of fintech businesses. Yeah, look, I, I don't, I, I didn't know much about this one, uh, to tell you the truth. I, I looked into it a little bit. It's a, it's a small market cap of about 190 million. They haven't made a profit yet, but look, they have made some traction in their loan book to uh, new Australian customers with a growth of 260%. Um, you know, I was just looking across, they've got about 700,000 account profiles. Their loan book grew to about 500 million New Zealand, which is a record. Uh, but look, it's not translating to the bottom line, and um, I, I would uh, this would not be a, a buy for me. Um, I would prefer if I was going to go into this space, I'd go to Credit Corp. Credit Corp's a much bigger company. It's two billion dollars. Um, you know, they're paying dividends. They're um, they're, they're you know much bigger in this area, this, this particular area. So Credit Corp would be my preference over this one. But look. I would keep an eye on this. It's only a recently listed company. Um, so, I, you know, want to follow, keep it on your watch list maybe, and then just have a look um, down the track how they perform over the next six to 12 months. But it's not a buy for me at the moment. And um, I'd be prefer to be in credit court. Yeah, um, because there are a lot of those fintech stocks that have, have listed in the last two years, haven't they? The, the sort of disruptors to the big banks. Yeah, or well you got Zip, you know, you've got a lot of, um, uh, what is it, um, Hum, is it? Um, yeah, which uh, is the old flexi group. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, there's a real lot of competition in this space. So, um, 
Yeah, it's not this. This one is real small player, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, it just doesn't jump out. Your credit Corp's not in a uh, sort of loans. It buys loans, doesn't it, and then recoups the yeah. repayment of them. Buys, if you like, debt debtors off of uh, big banks and financial institutions, and says, "I'll pay you." I don't know, 90 cents yeah. in the dollar for the loan book. And if I recoup the money, I'll keep the 10%. Yeah, that's right. Distressed consumer debt is what they really focus on. And they'll probably take some business away from this company if they have any bad debts. Yeah, it looks a little bit too risky for me. Again, I, with my view about uh, bond yields as well, uh, that's the thing that I'm a bit concerned about, you know, I mean, the Fed says it's transitory inflation. Well, we'll see, but I don't know how it, how it can make a forecast on that. But yeah. I, I would just be very cautious. Okay. Um, Francesco, what do you think of Harmony? Yeah, look, um, um, just on your point about 90 cents in the dollar, we've paying a lot less for bad debts. So if I was right. buying them off, off the banks. Um, look, we were one of the lead managers on this uh, IPO uh, just recently. So, um, you know, we, we, we have some, uh, you know, interest in the stock as well um, look and it's still early days um, where these types of businesses are uh, taking market share away from banks uh, because because borrowers are finding it difficult to get these sort of small medium-sized loans through the banks and jumping through hoops uh, they find it a bit easier through these types of agencies so so it is still early days and then you know they're, they're signing something like 10,000 new customers a month so there's a fair bit of growth in this business at the moment. Um, they did put out uh, an announcement just this week where they've updated, well, not updated, they've uh, um, reconfirmed their guidance for FY22. So that gives you a bit of confidence in um, um, you know, the numbers that they're putting out and the guidance they're putting out and uh, the growth that's achievable through them. Um, so so we think it's a buy, but a but there's a lot of risk in it, obviously, because uh, it's got to develop a lot of track record. It was uh, the company was founded in New Zealand, and uh, uh, um, the, the cap raising was to assist them in their expansion from New Zealand ending to Australia as well. So um, we, I think there's a lot of growth there. We expect the company to turn profitable over the next sort of two to three years. Um, so you know there is, uh, I suppose, um, some uh, some positives at the end of the horizon there. Because we have a couple of uh, different experts that joined us on the call here and they, they say whenever they see a New Zealand tech company, uh, they always back it because <laughs> they seem to have this <laughs> Midas touch of, of yeah. building great platforms, whether they're financial or, or whatever, and get them going. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't consider this a tech company, though, because, I mean, a lot of investors get mixed up in um, I suppose things like Afterpay, they'll consider that a technology company, but they're actually financial services companies which leverage technology um, within their services or, or products. So, um, yes, they use technology, but, but I think you'll consider this more a financial services company. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. All right. Uh, Francesco, um, I hadn't um, heard of Hastings Technology Metals. I don't think it's come up on, on the call before. It's a... Uh, a rare earths business. They've um, just received praise from the West Australian government for the development of the, 
what is it, Yangingbana Rare Earths Project uh, in the Gascoigne region. Um, rare Earths seem to, be, uh, seem to be pretty hot. What do you think of uh, Hastings Technology Metals? Yeah, look, um, you know, this, this is rare earth. So, you know, some people are getting confused. And I, I do sometimes myself with lithium and rare earths uh, being in the same basket, but they're not. But rare earths uh, have been, uh, I suppose, popular um, over the last sort of two, two to five years. And, um, and quite rightly so. It's, it's uh, uh, I suppose, they're, they're uh, metals that are being used in uh, new technologies in batteries and so forth. So, so quite rightly so. Um, our, our guys have done coverage on it. I haven't followed it very closely and haven't done a lot of detail on it. Um, but they've got a speculative buy, and I'll, I'll emphasise that word speculative because um, it doesn't produce as yet. Uh, so there's no revenue stream at the moment. Um, they they do um, look like they, they uh, have funding for the development of the, the mines. And uh, it looks like they've got some German state debt backing uh, yes. behind it. Well, I would... And I haven't gone into the detail of that, but I'd like to have a look at what details are behind that before I'd be uh, making um, you know a, a significant investment in it. Uh, but look, our guys like it. Um, it. It'll be some time, probably 2023, before you start to see any uh, profits out of it um, and, and revenues um, because it is going through a development phase. If they're getting funding through some German uh, government state backing. Um, they may not need to come to the market to raise too much money. But again, going back to what, how is this debt structured and what's behind it uh, is the key. Um, look, others in the sector, uh, you know, mineral resources, um, uh, or copra, mineral resources have probably got a little bit more iron ore in it um, than, uh, well, it has got a lot more iron ore in it than rare earths. But, um, yeah, there is that exposure there in, in that. Um, and or copra. Um, is giving some exposure to that as well. So, um, look, there's there's other avenues. This is very speculative and at early stages, uh, but our analyst does like the resources mm. uh, and what's behind it. Okay. David? Yeah, look, it's uh, not a buy for me uh, to start off with. It, it, it's If you've got it, you, you could hold it. Uh, they did a capital raising in February at 19 cents. They raised about $100 million. Like this company... At 27.5 cents, it's got a market cap valuation of about 470 million. Okay, and as Francesca put it out, they're not going to be in production until 2023. So, a fair way off. Um, look, they've got an internal rate of return on their project of about 21%. Um, net present value, they're estimated at about 550 million. Um, so, you know, I look at this company, and here's how I look at it, okay. Sure, there's going to be demand in this area for for electric vehicles. They need rare earth minerals. There's no doubt about that. So the demand will be there in the future. This is a 15, once they get into production, it's a 15-year life project. And they're, they're going to take on debt, of course, and, and I expect to repay that debt based on earnings. It will take about three and a half years for the company to pay back that debt. Now, put it in perspective, I go, okay, well, not, you know, if you're going to be in that area, Linus is the leader, so I'd be in Linus, would be the preference. Um, or you'd look at alternative other minerals or commodities. So I look at, I've mentioned this one, BC Iron, which has got a much higher net present value than this, this company, going in production at the same time. They've already got the funding in place and they've got a net present value just around, one, just under 1.7 billion based on their EBITDA, which is going to be over 60 to 100 years. 
So and plus they're half the market cap right. of this company, half. Uh, or you look at other alternatives and you go, okay, everybody's scared of the iron ore sector, which is what I like. When there's a lot of fear around, that's the that's the that's what I find bargains. And I look at and I've mentioned this company before. I could mention a half a dozen of them, but let's just take Grange, which has got a market cap of about 680 million with just over 400 million in the bank. They're going to have a profit of 300 million this year by the end of this year. No, no question on a 7% fully frank dividend yield. And even with the iron ore price where it is, they're going to generate a profit of 100, between 100 and 200 million net after tax. So you're looking at an earnings multiple right now in a dividend yield of a company that's less than three times. So, you know, why would I be going into yeah. a company that's going to be years away from production when I can go into something that's generating strong cash flows now? Well, that's a better economic um, metric, if you like. Yep, absolutely fair enough, too. All right, let's uh, recheck the first um, five stocks, our uh, crash stocks, if you like, in our ongoing series, Transurban and Collins Foods. Um, Metcash, a hold from both Francesco and David, CSL, also a hold, Transurban, um, a yes from Francesco, a hold from, uh, from David, um, Harmony, um, a speculative buy um, from Ords who were involved in the, uh, in the IPO of uh, Harmony, uh, a no from David, he in that space uh, prefers uh, Credit Corp. Um, and Hastings, a speculative buy from Ords and a hold from uh, David, who would prefer um, sort of the market leader in that sector uh, in terms of Linus, who's um, been a star performer on the market over the last year as well. And we've been uh, following our own uh, fantasy portfolio here on the call um, since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner NabTrade, any stocks, they get two thumbs up from our expert panel, uh, goes into the calls fantasy portfolio. For the week up, well, almost 1.4%. Uh, for the month up 2.25%. This financial year up 7%. And since the 1st of July last year, when, it, uh, when we started following it, it's up 44.5%. So we're uh, pretty good going since inception. Some of the stocks recently added to the portfolio, uh, Ingham's, WiseTech, 360 Capital Group, Whitehaven Coal and HT&E. Uh, some of the stocks removed, Samphire Resources, Adairs, Nick Scarly and A2 Milk. You can check all of the stocks and ETFs we have in the calls portfolio by heading to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. We'll be updating it every day right here on the call and we will see how it's tracking. Uh, let's get into the second half of the call. And uh, David, Michelle wants a view on, uh, on PointSpec, the, uh, the wagering uh, business. I noticed uh, Goldman Sachs put out a, uh, uh, a note on it recently, sort of looking at the, the share price getting up towards um, around 15 bucks over the next 12 months. And, uh, think it's pretty well placed to uh, establish itself as uh, uh, the fourth place in the sector in terms of market share with digital wagering. Uh, what do you think of points back? Oh, yeah, look, this is a hot sector. Uh, there's no doubt about that. If you look at, um, you know, bet makers are in there, a tab corp, of course. Um, the thing about, look, for me, points bet 
it, they're expanding into they, their projection is to expand to 11 different U.S. states. They're yep. currently live in seven. They've had some really good revenue growth. They're also opening up in Ontario in Canada. Um, they've also got about five percent of the fixed uh, tote betting market in Australia, and they're expecting that what their goal is to, is to get to ten percent. There's a lot of competition in this space. Um, I just think looking at the valuation, again, I come back to, okay, what am I buying here? A business not profitable yet. In fact, they reported, I just looked at their, their loss for the full year was 164 million after tax, which was up from 40 million. That's a negative earnings per share of 85 cents. So here's the share price at $10. It got up to a high of 17. And I think I said, I, I think I was on the, when I, the show when I said, I'd be taking the money and run uh, when it got to 17. I mean, it's, you know, it's gone from $5 um, pre-COVID. So it's had a pretty good volatile run. Great for traders. It's not a buy even on the trend. If you look at the trend, the trend is down until it crosses above the 50-day moving average or $11 is to my price that you could buy it if it gets above that for a bit of a run back up to, you know, where maybe that target that Goldman Sachs is talking about around $15. But look, there's a lot of competition in this space. Um, whether they, you know, it comes back to execution risk, you're paying a big premium for a business like this that's not generating any profits yet. I mean, if you look at their sales and marketing expenses, I mean, their rev total revenue is 195 million, less their costs, 107, and then marketing, sales and marketing costs, 170 million. Wow. Yeah, you know, uh, that's huge. So they're, you know, They've got to make a lot of traction here. Um, not a business for me, but hey, as a trade, if it uh, crosses above the 50-day moving average in $11, I'll buy it as a trade. But uh, certainly, I'd probably stick to Tabcorp, I think, with their wagering business. They're also in negotiations with bet makers, so they're working out something there. There might be a demerger, so that would be beneficial to shareholders in Tabcorp. So I, I would probably, that would be where I'd be more okay. interested. That's All right. Uh, Francesco, what do you think of PointsBet? They're, they're the ones that, did they do a deal with NBC, the big um, American television network, to be their, their gaming partner, I think, for NFL and NBA? Yeah, they did. And, that, and that's where I think the, uh, I suppose, the growth of coming into this business is the deals that they're doing like that. Um, you know, David quite rightly points out, you know, particularly in this industry, it's hot, but it's hot, and, and when it's hot, in comes the competition because it's not that hard to just well when i say it's not that hard it's you know there's not a lot of barriers to entry to set up a, a, a betting website obviously there's a fair bit of licensing and so forth that goes on but um you know to to develop the sites and that is um you know that's there's not too many barriers to entry there so i, I look i think understand competitive threats um the costs of expanding um and that's where those um, marketing sales and marketing costs come into it um, you know, every time you turn on a sporting event here in Australia, um, you've got ads uh, for various betting agencies for people to bet on. Um, I'm assuming that that would be the case, if not worse, um, in America. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, what these online betting agencies, um, I suppose, have discovered is that the ease of people to to sign up to various online betting agencies and then once they've signed up it's a matter of keeping them on the site um, and i think by doing the deals with uh, you know nbc and, and, and the nfl and that 
um, will help them, particularly when it comes to, you know, if I'm if I'm not at home in front of the TV and, and not watching the football, I can watch it on my uh, on my screen because I bet with this this agency. So um, well, look, we've got a buy on it, and it is a long um, it's, it's a long haul before we start to see any um, any profits out of it. But um, again, you know, I wouldn't say it's a speculative investment, but it is high risk. Um, you know, and, and David quite rightly points out others, you know, Tabcor and the like, uh, where it's a bit lower risk because they've already got established businesses, but you're, you're investing in uh, the potential for growth here. And I think um, there's two things there. One is the deals that they've just done with NBC and the NFL, the expansion into the US, um, that will assist them in that. Um, and, and, and also the, um, the technology they'd use um, and, and the added facilities that they put online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting that uh, uh, most Australians wouldn't know that, that only up until a year or two ago, you couldn't bet in, in America, could you, online? And, uh, and now, now they're all allowing it too. And it's a, obviously a massive market. But as David was saying, there are a lot of companies targeting it, aren't, aren't they? And that's one of the risks too is is the legalities in the US because it's a state-based thing. So you've got some states in the US where they don't allow it. Um, I don't know how they stop it, um, yeah. but yeah, because it's online. Um, but um, yeah, there are some states where it's um, not just frowned upon; it's um, it's illegal. Yeah, exactly. All right, um, Francesco Byrne wants a view on TPG Telecom. Um, well, they're they're the second largest. Telco uh, in Australia, obviously, formerly Vodafone and um, and Hutcher, Vodafone Hutchison did the big merger. Um, what do you think of TPG? Uh, look, uh, the, the better, there were some benefits that came out of that merger. Obviously, there's some economies of scale and, and, and yeah, be able to um, mitigate some costs in, in their businesses. But uh, I suppose one of the biggest benefits, it's still a potential benefit, is um, that they accumulated about more 4.3 billion in carried forward tax losses. Um, it's not always good to hear that someone's making losses and there's a benefit out of it, but the tax losses, uh, and that, that, that potentially, you know, could be a 1.3 billion dollar benefit at a 30% tax rate. So, you know, that, that's a benefit. Do I would I invest in a company because they've got a tax benefit like that? Probably not. Um, you know, we've got a whole recommendation on the stock. Um, I, I personally think Telstra's, um, you know, advantage here is that the 5G, uh, where, they, where they are in their development of 5G and, and, and the rollout of 5G is well ahead of their competitors. So and I think that's 5G's the future in Telco over the next five to ten years. So, um, you know, I prefer Telstra over uh, TPG, which we have a hold of. Yeah, okay. And and David, after the um, the blood, the sweat and tears of uh, the merger, and everyone was backing David Teo, weren't they? The uh, uh, the founder yeah. of it, the driving force, got the merger through, uh, listed, and then he left and uh, yeah. fo- focused on their Singapore in, uh, operation, Chuas, um, yeah. which which well, it's come up on the on the call previously and uh, some of our expert panel have been have said we prefer Chuas than TPG. Yeah, definitely. That was a loss, a big loss for TPG. Um, yeah. it, look, it's early days with TPG with this merger um, with Vodafone. Uh, 
you know, the, it's just too early to, to tell how that synergy is going to play out. I mean, look, their goal is that they'll cover about 85% of the 5G population coverage in 10 of Australia's largest cities and regional centres. That's their goal. Um, you know, they, uh, look, I, I go with Francesco on this one. Uh, this is a best a hold, uh, but I prefer uh, Telstra. Telstra's got, um, when you look at their their metric in terms of valuation as well, you know, they've got a double, more than double the um, the uh, the uh, return on equity, uh, double the dividend yield as well. Um, you know, there's they've got a lot more clout, uh, Telstra, than TPG. So to me, at best, uh, as I said, a hold, or it's a very high-risk long-term buy. So that's right. about the best, uh, I would say. Uh, the turnaround in Telstra has been phenomenal, hasn't it? It was only a couple of years ago. Everyone thought it was a perennial loser. Uh, capital killer ne never performed on its promises. Uh, and then Andy Penn started what it was uh, a five-year plan that um, has absolutely delivered and, and revolutionised the business. And uh, it's really built back the confidence of the market. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's certainly a growth area, that's for sure, yeah. um, you know, and uh, with 5G. So, you know, it, it, they've, like I said, they've got the, um, they've got the capital infrastructure and, and the, the, um, the benefits they're getting back from the federal government as well. So there's a lot of, a lot of growth now for Telstra that I can see going forward. Yeah. So that's why there's, there's a lot more positive forecasts on the company. Yeah, that's yeah. For sure. it's been, been a great turnaround. Um, Francesco, uh, Trevor wants a view on ComputerShare, which is sort of basically a, um, an administration platform, is it, for trading shares and mortgage facilities. They're the people that send you your certificates of ownership. It's the share registries yeah. of, um, of invest for investors. Look, we, we, we've got a light on this stock, purely on value. I mean, I like the business. But on a valuation ground, you know, it's a bit hard to sort of buy it. It's up around the $18 mark. Our, our guys have got a valuation of around 15 So it's trading well above that. Um, you know, the, there has been some positives um, in recent times where we've seen a lot of corporate actions. And that obviously uh, drives a bit of uh, revenue for, for the, the likes of the share registries. But they're not they're not uh, ongoing revenues. So they're, they're one-offs. So we, we, we would suggest that, um, you know, Computer shares a little bit overvalued. Look, if you're looking for something in this area, look, the Link is um, offering a little bit better value. It trades, I think, around the 16, 17 times where computer shares up over sort of 23, 24 times. I think it might have been 25 right. times. Okay. Uh, David, what do you think of computer shares? Very much along the lines with Francesco as well on this one. Um, you know, it's to me, it's I don't see where the growth is here. Uh, I'm looking at the numbers and just going back, um, you know, their margin, net margin income was down. Um, you know, they're trading on a multiple of like 26, 27 times and going, you know, and then their return on equity has been declining. Um, so there's, I just don't see the, you know, their forecast is pretty flat. Actually, it is flat uh, for the next 12 months. So they've taken on this acquisition as well. Uh, I'm not sure what that will do to the bottom line. CCT, it's called. They've, and they've taken on, you know, used a bit of cash to make that acquisition. So they went from, you know, 375 million um, cash flow in the bank to down to 40 million. 
So that's quite a big acquisition. But they're for, the, the earnings growth here, they're saying, you know, that a 2% growth in earnings, um, they're expecting the, the, the management income to lift a bit to 145 million going forward. But um, I gotta say, it's uh, at that level where it's pre-COVID level, whereas you look at a lot of stocks that have voluntarily exceeded their pre-COVID, it's just gotten back to that. So, you know, there could potentially be some selling here, but um, again, not a buy. Uh, if you've got it, you could hold it. It's got a you know small dividend yield of 2% uh, fully franked. But I just don't, I'm looking at it thinking, where's the growth here? Uh, yep. I, I can't see it. And their forecast as well, saying that. Okay. All right. Um, when you have, David, when you have a, sorry, sorry, Francesco. When you have a stock trading mid-20s, uh, on a PE basis, you'd want to see some growth over the next two to three years to put it at that valuation. But and when you've yeah. got no earnings growth or very little, um, you, you'd expect to be trading in the teens rather than the twenties. Yep, absolutely, a really good point. Uh, David Charlie wants a view on Webjet. Charlie says, "What's the long-term perspective for this stock, particularly now with New South Wales opening up to uh, international borders and travel, if not Webjet?" What would the experts recommend in this travel sector? Oh, look, have we, you know, I think the horse has bolted quite a bit in this sector. If you look at what, how Qantas has gone and Flight Centre and, and Webjet, you know, they've had quite a quite a rally here. So I think you've missed, you missed the horse here. It's really taken off. Um, I wouldn't be chasing it up here. Uh, look, even Webjet, when I look back on their return on equity, you know, over, over the last five, 10 years. I mean, they, they, they started off really well, had a high return on equity above 30%, and then about 10 years ago. And then since then, it's actually was declining even before uh, COVID. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're paying a big price up here um, in expectation that it's gonna go higher. I mean, look, it, it's got, the trend is at the moment looking great. You know, it's, it's very positive, it's moving up. Uh, if you've got it, you'd hold it until you get a change of trend, uh, you know, but I would I be chasing it up here? No, would it, what would I be buying? I wouldn't, geez, Qantas would probably be up there, but I'd like to buy Qantas on a pullback. Air, Air New Zealand, I think, could be one to look at. I think Air New Zealand offers some value. Um, I would be looking at, if I was looking for value and, and, uh, and um, you know, uh, coming out of the world opening up again, I'd, I'd probably go Air New Zealand would be up there and then you know, Qantas on a pullback. Okay, uh, Francesco? Yeah, look, I'm sort of with David on this. I've always got a buy on it, but I might sort of just say that he, he went to a buy at a lot lower price. Um, and, you know, with a target, he's got a target of about $7 on it. So it's not far off that. So I'd probably be softening that recommendation a bit. Um, look, I, it's not a stock I, I liked uh, leading into sort of COVID, if you like, and, and obviously during COVID, people panicked about travel stocks. Um, but I think what's happened uh, through COVID that you know, people, have, when they've started to look for travel, they've gone online as opposed to through, you know, the likes of the flight centre and that. So I think they might sort of pick up a little bit extra business. And previously, I just saw it as a, as a price comparison system. Um, because you, you, you compare prices and then you go directly to, to your airline or your, your agency or whoever. Um, but now I, I see it a little bit differently. Um, look, the, the, the travel stocks with exposure to 
Europe um, and, and the Americas are probably going to get a bit more uh, uptick than those that are purely Australian. Um, the stock I prefer most uh, in this space is corporate travel, uh, but its share price again has uh, rallied significantly on, on the back of you know, lockdowns being removed and so forth. But what I see is coming out of COVID, there's yes, going to be a bit of an uptick in, in um, um, consumer travel, uh, but I think business travel is the one that will recover quicker than, than consumer travel. So um, anything that deals with um, business to business, I think is going to probably recover a bit better. So Webjet is one area, corporate travel is another. There could be some upside to the numbers that analysts have got because I suppose they're just sort of um, you know, licking their finger and coming up with how things are going to come back to normal um, and how yeah. long it will take. Um, so there's potential for a bit of upside maybe to their numbers. So yes, um, you know, see the, the 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 benefits in airlines and so forth. But um, in the betting in in the in the travel agency areas, I think um, you know I think Webjet's um, good, but share prices rally um, probably getting close to being more of a hold now. Um, and corporate travel similar. Okay, all right, uh, Francesco, our. Our final stock, Harry wants a view on Estia Health, the big aged care operator, 69 facilities uh, around Australia. What do you think of uh, Estia? Yeah, look, they put out a strong second half result. Um, the biggest issue um, with the whole industry is the Royal Commission and what's going to come out of that. Um, the analysts are starting to say that they should be able to maintain their earnings because obviously the things... Um, you know, they're going to have to increase costs, um, but payments from government are going to increase as well. So net-net, there's probably no benefit or loss uh, to, to, the, um, to the nursing homes. Um, what, you know, what we're looking for is where is the growth going to come from? Um, and prior to the Royal Commission, you know, we would have focused Estia on um, M&A activity, but... Um, post um, Royal Commission and change in regulations, we think they've probably moved more towards greenfield sites. So there's a bit more upfront cost in that. So maybe there might be some cap raisings uh, down the track. Um, but if there's gonna be some growth, um, we would expect it to come out of that area. Um, our analysts have got a, a, an accumulate, which is basically a soft buy on, on SDR. I like the sector, um, but I'm still a bit cautious about you know, Royal Commission and outcomes from that. Okay, uh, David. Yeah, look uh, again. Uh, I sound, uh, sorry to sound like a broken record, but Estia uh, is the same as my, exactly the same view as as Francesco on this one. I mean, interesting. Um, you know, this is an important sector, of course, a, a growing sector over the next two decades. They're expecting it. Um, you know, the likes of ourselves to be there to double the amount of aged care facilities or people retiring like ourselves in about 20, 30 years, at least 20 years. So it is a growth sector. Um, Estia has really underperformed. It's not, I mean, I go back and look at their performance and it's been shocking, really. It's not even, never gotten above eight or 10% return on their equity. So it's been a really poor performance in terms of the uh, business results. Uh, also, they I noticed that they had a federal uh, court uh, class action settlement, a shareholder class action against the company settled early May and that was for a total sum of 38.4 million of which it cost the company 12.3 million and the rest being paid out by the insurers. 
uh, with no admission to guilt. But um, so, you know, that there was that impact as well. But again, with the Royal Commission recommendations and reforms and the government is increasing, you know, the, their headline um, increase of about 17.7 billion over the next mm. four years in the sector. So uh, I would like to see a real turnaround in, you know, uh, well, they, they don't even know, actually. They've even said the company itself has said they're still uncertain about these reforms going forward. So, look, it, you know, it operates mostly in Victoria, New South Wales. You know, Victoria, they've got 26 homes, New South Wales, 18, Queensland, eight homes and 17 in South Australia. So, you know, they, they've got a pretty good reach there. But... Again, um, wait for the outcome of these reforms and how that impacts their uh, their uh, bottom line going forward. So it's not a buy for me. Uh, it wouldn't even be a hold, actually. I would be a void at the moment until we get some clarity about, and even the company saying that it's itself and the trend, the, the share price uh, you could see is saying that as well. Yep, exactly. Everyone's in a bit of limbo waiting for a bit of clarity in that area. Jeds, thank you for joining us today on the call. Francesco Destratus from Ords. Good to see you. Enjoy the rest of the week. See you, bro. David Novak, you. always great to catch up from Wealthwise Education. Pleasure. Thank you. Uh, let's just recap our final five stocks. Uh, points bet uh, a no from David Novak. Um, Ords have a speculative buy on it. TPG, uh, if you're in it, you know, keep holding it if you like, from both David and uh, Francesco. They both prefer Telstra in that space. Uh, computer share, no from uh, uh, from David. Francesco's saying, hey, take some money off the table, take some profits off it. Uh, Webjet, a hold from both. Um, uh, Francesco prefers uh, corporate travel in that sector um, and David prefers Air New Zealand. Um, and also would be keen on Qantas if there was a pullback in the market and the Qantas share price and a no on Estia Health. Uh, if you'd like us to cover any stocks of interest to you, uh, flick me an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Uh, you can see all the stocks in the calls portfolio. Uh, head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. <laughs> Thank you.